You're listening to the Boise Community Church Podcast. We desire to be a people who are following Jesus authentically and missionally. For more information, please visit boisecommunitychurch.org. If you have a Bible, please turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter 1. If you need a Bible, there's Bibles in the back. We'd love for that to be our gift to you if you don't have one. Um, And yeah, I just want to share that with you guys. So in my own experience, in my own journey with Jesus, it feels like oftentimes seems like the calling in my life is way, the calling he has for my life is way different than the one that I would have chosen. And I was thinking about this, this week, this week was a challenging week for our family with just having our sewer line broken and getting that resolved and all that fun stuff. But I remember I was, when I was younger, I was going to work for Caltrans when I turned 18. So those of you that are from California are very familiar with Caltrans. It's those great people that take 20 years to build a road. So, um, and they pay them a lot of money. It's a really, actually, it's a great career. But my, my uncle... It was high up at Caltrans at the time and managed all the bay or all the bridges in the bay. And so he talked about this idea and he was like, man, I can get you in. It's going to be great. Um, and if I had started that road, which is what's crazy to me when I was thinking about this last night, if I had started it when I was 18 and if I had gone that road, I would be retiring in three, three years with 70% of like my highest pay was just crazy to me that I'd be retiring in three years. You know, and if we're honest, it's not a bad deal, right? That, that legitimately was the plan I had for my life. I didn't want to work a desk job. I didn't want to, I didn't want to be a pastor. I didn't want to have any of these different things, you know, and if I had gone that road, it would have given me time to live a simple life or pursue another career. It gives you all this freedom to do these things. And that was my plan until I had this experience in February of my senior year. Where I was sitting in a church, drunk from the night before. And that was the moment where I decided, hey, I want to become a follower of Jesus. And so I finished my senior year, and as this job comes up, and my uncle and I are talking, and I ask him, I'm like, hey, like, how, what, do I have to work a lot of weekends? Do I work Sundays? And he's like, yeah. You'll be the new guys who will probably work Sundays for like the next 10 years. I was like, wow, that sounds terrible. Um, And so as this job was coming up, I remember praying about this, whether or not I should take this and make this my career. Because I would have to work a lot of Sundays right out the gate. And so as I prayed, I did feel like God spoke and God was saying it wasn't the right path. Even though all it lined up with all the goals that I had, I would have been able to get married, buy a house, I would have had a big truck, have a couple of kids, all the things that I have now. Uh, I would have been financially stable, you know, something that would have would have has been was a challenge in that day and age for me. So instead of taking a job that was stable and had a good retirement and would have set me on a course for to achieve my goals probably earlier on. I was going to turn down this job not knowing where it would where I would go. And it was in to see where God would take me. 
and I felt like I was supposed to go to Bible college. But I didn't want to be a pastor, so it didn't make sense to me why I would go to Bible college. Because I didn't want to go to a Bible, I didn't want to be a pastor because I wanted to be fun. And I wanted to be successful in the eyes of people. And it was in that time, early on, while I was in Southern California going to Bible school, that I felt the Spirit call me to be a pastor. And it was a very special and intimate moment when I was reading my Bible in Jeremiah where God gives this promise to the children of Israel where he says, I'm going to give you shepherds after my own heart who will lead the flock with knowledge and understanding. And I remember the Holy Spirit whispering in my heart in that moment saying, I, want, I believe you're one of these shepherds. I want you to be one of these shepherds. And so in my experience of 35 years on this earth and walking with Jesus for 16 of those years, the Spirit doesn't call us to comfort or convenience or the things that we may necessarily want. And so with all of that, I hope you're in Mark 1 now, uh, we're going to start in verse 12. It says, At once the Spirit sent him out into the wilderness, and he was in the wilderness forty days, being tempted by Satan. And he was with the wild animals, and the angels attended him. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. That the time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. And as Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little further, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat, preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. This is the word of the Lord. Father, we just thank you for your word. We thank you for what it shows us and how it speaks to us. Lord, we believe that your spirit uses the words on these pages to illuminate and to work in our hearts and in our lives to challenge us and to help us grow into the people that you're calling us to be. And so, Jesus, we do. We just, we're here as your people desiring to sense your presence, desiring to hear your voice. And so, God, I do. I pray for ears that would be willing to hear. Lord, if there's correction that needs to happen in our lives where we need to shift our focus and change our path, Lord, I pray that we would, we would adjust to what you're calling us to. And Lord, for those that may be struggling and battling discouragement and wrestling with themselves, Lord, I pray that your spirit would be that comforter that comes alongside and that is ever so close. And most importantly, Jesus, we just pray that we would sense and know your presence and that you're near to us and that you love us. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> I share that story in the very beginning about going into Bible college and 
you know, working for Caltrans because that was the goal. That was the whole point of it. It was like, make a lot of money, get a super hot wife, which I did, and, you know, get a big house. And I always really wanted a big truck. So the, really the only thing I didn't get, right, and I, I wanted some kids. I got more kids than I ever planned on. So um, I never did get a big truck, though. I always call my truck a Tonka truck because it's yellow and it looks like a little toy. So, uh, but the spirit led me in a different path of my life. It led me down a road that I definitely would not have chosen. And honestly, if I look back on my life and I reflect on my life, would I continue in the same path? Probably. Would I go back down the same road? Probably. Because you know, I love so much of my life. But it does sound tempting to be able to retire in three years. That does sound really awesome. So, so but immediately following this moment where God the Father speaks his love over Jesus and the Spirit descends and rests on Jesus at his baptism, it's in this moment that Jesus is led where? He's led to the desert. And it's, he's led to the desert by the Holy Spirit for 40 days. So Jesus is baptized, his ministry is getting ready to begin, and he goes to the desert for 40 days, and it's there that he's being tested by Satan for 40 days. The beginning of Jesus' ministry is this. Fasting, experiencing te testing, and temptation from Satan himself. You know, when I lived in Uganda, you'd, a lot of times you'd talk to people and they, you know, if they crashed their car or whatever, you'd be like, what, what happened? They'd be like, I don't know. I think Satan did it. And I'm like, I don't know. I just think you're a bad driver. But <laughs> there's this idea that like we can throw out like Satan's tempting us all the time. It's an easy thing for us to kind of lean into. But that, that's what's going on here. I think it's important to call that out, that the prince of darkness, the enemy of the age, you know, the, or the enemy of us and our souls, that sole goal is to steal, kill, and destroy us, is tempting Jesus himself. And I think what's interesting to me about this is that the testing comes at the beginning. It doesn't, he doesn't wait till Jesus has had a little bit of success and had this following to where he can make him crumble. But he goes right out the gate. And many times in our lives, we may struggle to, to be able to consider where is the Spirit leading us? Because I believe what Mark is showing us here is really simple. Sometimes God calls us to really difficult places because that's where he is. He's not found always in like the super peaceful and nice moments. Sometimes the really difficult places is where the, all the work actually happens. Like if you want to learn humility, like most people will pray for humility. But do you know what the word humility is connected to? humiliation there's an aspect that humility breaks us down and it's seeing ourselves as lower and it's in the desert place where Jesus is it's in the solitude it's where it's there where we see who we really are and it's there that we are prepared for what God has for us Because it's in these moments 
in the desert that we see Jesus being tempted with lies and empty promises. It's the same thing that we see in our lives here today. These lies and empty promises are so alive today. Many of us, you know, for us today, they're modern things that we chase. You know, as Jesus fasted, Satan came to him, one of the gospels says, and he tells him, hey, turn these rocks to bread and eat. I know you can do that. For us, what does that look like? Well, it's, it's not being in a place of wanting, finding a way to create or fix whatever our struggle is in the time. Another idea I had in, around that is like, just give up. Like, it's not really worth the work of doing these things. Like, when I have my seasons where I'm fasting on a regular basis, it's a lot easier to fast in a place where there's no food than it is to fast when you're sitting next to your fridge. And that's kind of where you're hanging out. The temptation's right there, and it's like, well, it's really not a big deal if I do this. If I break my fast, who cares? The other thing that we see Satan doing with Jesus, as he was there, Satan showed him all the kingdoms of the world and how he would reign over them, and how Jesus would reign over them if Jesus would just bow down and worship Satan. And for us, it can be the promise of success, that you'll be in charge, that you'll have money, you'll be in this place of power. doesn't matter what you have to do to get there, but just clawing your way through it. One of the interesting things being in pastoral ministry and being a church planter is sometimes some, when I meet other church planters, I'm like, man, you are just not a very nice guy. Like... And there's this tenacity and this aggressiveness that I'll meet, see in some of them. Um, and it's interesting because a lot of those guys will be, in the world's eyes, very successful. They'll hit the marks that, you know, lots of people and big bands and this whole thing of what the world would see as success. And But to be clear... I don't think what, G, what Mark is trying to aim us at in this passage is... We need to live as beggars or avoid success at all costs and that those in of themselves are bad. It's not. What I believe Mark is trying to show us is what is Jesus calling you to? Because many times people make the assumption that Jesus calls us to peace that comes from, comes from comfort. But the peace that Jesus actually calls us to is not necessarily this Zen-like peace that we can attain. If I can get all the stressful things out of my life, if I can get my spouse to, to live this certain way, if I can get my kids to fall in line and just go to bed or, or, or you know, do the right things, then I will be able to have peace. Paul actually describes the peace of God this way in Philippians 4 verse 7. He says, the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The peace of God, it transcends all understanding because it doesn't make sense to have it in the first place. Because it looks like everything's going wrong. It flows from this place and it's experienced because of our relationship with God the Father. 
And I, I believe it's very telling that Jesus has this moment right before he enters this season of testing and temptation that he has this moment with God the Father and, and God the Holy Spirit where he is confirmed in his role. God the Father speaking love over him, the Spirit resting on him. As a picture for all of those around, but also for him to hold on to. When my wife and I brought, when my wife brought the, this desire to step into foster care, super funny because she probably brought it up I think on like month two of us dating and I was less than thrilled with the idea Um, because in all reality it was terrifying kids coming into our home they have all these wounds and hurts and we're going to fall in love with these kids and then they're going to leave it felt messy felt difficult it felt scary and I was like man I don't think God's calling us to that There's no peace in this. There's no joy in this. And I remember feeling like God speaking and saying, I want you to be willing to be inconvenienced. And as we prepared to get involved, we're taking the classes, doing the home studies, doing all the different steps of getting involved, making sure you have you know, fire extinguishers because the house is burning down. This little fire extinguisher from Costco is going to save the day. Um, The thing that I knew as we walked through that process, as it was difficult and as it was scary, and as I have my own trauma in my story and my background, and dealing with kids that come with that same trauma feels very terrifying at times. What I held on to was I believe that Jesus, I believe I held on to the same thing I believe Jesus was holding on to while he was in the desert, that God is with us. The peace that passes understanding comes from our relationship with God himself. That no matter what our lives or where our roads take us, it's in this moment that we can breathe and we can rest because God is with us. Because following Jesus doesn't mean that you'll be without trouble or trials. Doesn't mean that you'll be in this place where you aren't having these challenges. If I ask... If I asked you in this room, how many of you experienced relational conflict in the last year? Pretty sure everybody would raise their hands. And the two of you that may not raise your hands, I'd be like, you're lying. There's no way. But conflict is hard. And what do we naturally, what do, we naturally do when conflict comes up? We run. Because the other person isn't playing into the play that, or the story that we're trying to live. When trials come up, when challenges come up, it's easy for us to go, man, God, where are you? What are you doing? Why would you allow this? This past week when our sewer line was broken, which when your sewer line's broken, you can't use any water. So it makes things really fun. Or you risk sewage backing into your home, which is really fun. I did. I remember praying and being like, God, I don't get this, man. Like, we've had so many fluke, random, expensive, challenging things with our home in the last two years. 
But the reality is, like, I don't think Satan's after me and trying to beat me into submission by sending a tree root to grow through my sewer line. And I remember the question I kept asking myself as the the week progressed and as things would kind of go, they'd get better and then things would fall apart and then things would get better and then they'd fall apart, which everything's good now. I remember asking myself, what do I want this moment, what do I want to come out of me in this moment? And I remember I was like, man, I want peace. When I'm facing a thing where I have the potential of having to pay thousands upon thousands of dollars, I want to be a person of peace. And so I pursued that with Jesus and and the time as as I was working on things. Sometimes succeeding, a lot of times failing, but following Jesus doesn't mean that you'll be without trouble or trials. You know, this past week obviously is, but was a challenge for us, but it doesn't, the beauty of it is that I'm not alone in it. And so Jesus, as he's in the wilderness, we see that John the Baptist is taken and he's brought into prison and he's taken and they arrest him. And eventually, you know, he's, he, stu- he didn't really do anything wrong. He ended up standing up, up against a co- corrupt political organization and it ended up costing him his head, you know, literally. But it's at this moment when Jesus is being tempted, he's being challenged, he's experiencing all of the struggle, and Satan's trying to get him to give over his power. It's at this moment when John the Baptist enters prison that Jesus makes the proclamation. The kingdom of God has come near. It's arrived. Turn and get ready. Now's the time. Hope was here now. So where John's incomplete message was finally ready. And the hope we have today as followers of Jesus is that He is with us now and gives us the ability to be in relationship with him. A love and an acceptance that is outside of our actions, our skills, our abilities. Because when Jesus proclaimed that this was the time, he set out to call his disciples. Usually, rabbis in in that day, they would go to these highly educated schools and different places to to find the brightest and the most gifted individuals, those that had that showed great promise and understanding around the law of God, specialized in their skill sets, because they would say, I want the brightest and the best to be my disciple, to be my student, to be my follower, to push the mission forward. But not Jesus. He goes to the Sea of Galilee and he calls some fishermen to be his followers, to be his students. The Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness, and I believe the Spirit led Jesus to call these men, where he calls Simon Peter, Andrew, James, and John. And on the outside, these men would have not been a natural pick because they were just simple fishermen. And in other stories, we understand that they actually weren't even very successful fishermen. It wasn't like Jesus was like, I'm going to get the best fishermen. 
when he's showing up at this point where they're mending and cleaning their nets, another gospel explains that this is after a night where they caught nothing. And some people would look at that and go, yeah, you know, maybe this was how God was preparing their hearts. Or they were just bad fishermen. Right? Like, that could be part of it, too. But Jesus walks up and says, hey, I want you to follow me. This is who he will use to change and transform the world. No one saw the potential in these men, but God saw a potential that was hidden underneath. And maybe there's someone in your life, whether it's at work or it's, you know, in your personal relationships, and they aren't growing in the way you'd like. Or maybe you look at, a, at some member in your extended family and you're like, you really need to go to counseling. Like, can you please just go to counseling? Because it would be so much better. Or if you would just change some of these habits, life would be so much better for you. Or you look at someone and you just see them as someone to tolerate. You've forgotten that they were created in the image of God. It's easy to look at people and write them off. Because here's the thing about our expectations and our thoughts, and this is, this is a pretty interesting thing I came across this week. So most of you probably know who Steph Curry is. He's this basketball player. He plays for the Warriors. He's phenomenal. He's completely changed the game, it feels like. When he was leaving college to go come into the NBA, this was some of the feedback and the reviews that the scouts gave. He didn't play at a major universities, but instead played at a very small school. So they questioned whether he could perform at a, at a high level of playing because he wasn't used to playing with, you know, schools in the Big Ten and Pac-10 and all that stuff. <coughs> Whatever they are in basketball. I don't know that much about college basketball. Um, he didn't have a strong drive in how he played, so he had a weak step. And they said that he would be very unlikely to be able to drive towards the rim. He had good ball handling skills, but he would be a great, he would only really be a, in a support role. There was no way that he could carry the weight of an entire team. The pro professional NBA scout recommended that he not enter the draft. He was too small, he wasn't strong enough, he wasn't aggressive enough, he just didn't have what it took to play in the NBA. And last time I checked, he's done pretty well for himself since he's jumped into the NBA. I think he's got two or three titles now, probably more than that. Um, and I'm thankful. I'm thankful that God is not like these scouts, that he sees deeper and more beautiful things in us than we can ever see. I remember when I, my old youth pastor, when I was serving underneath him as, a, as an intern, he was moving to Reading and we were he was wanting me to move with him, and I said, I feel like I'm supposed to stay. And I remember us having a very intense conversation about our leadership at the time. And it, he said, this leadership will never respect you. They will tolerate you. They will never see you for the giftings that you have. They will see you for what they can get out of you. And some of that, I think, was true. 
There was fruit. There was fruit that bore out of that. And the reason they saw that was, I was the hometown kid. I always love that scripture where Jesus is talking about being in his hometown and how nobody will listen to him because he's in his hometown. Or a prophet is without honor in their hometown. And I'm thankful that God is not like these scouts, that he sees deeper and more beautiful things in each of us than we or anyone else can ever see. Maybe in your story, you, there is actually people speaking against you, saying, you can't do this. You won't be successful. It's a waste. My grandmother when I wanted me to go to a four-year university and, and jump into this great career and live the American dream. And when I told her I felt called to be a pastor, I remember she told me that it was a waste of my gifts. She's like, I've poured so much into you. I can't believe this is the road you're headed. And I remember feeling crushed by that. And even as she passed this last year, it was a very heavy aspect of our relationship where it was like, man, I never did make my grandmother proud because I didn't go that route. I didn't go the education route. Because in all honesty, I don't know who I don't know who she was looking at because I never saw myself as being this incredibly gifted individual and when she passed this last year my aunt was cleaning out her home and she sent me this this folder and I remember being really surprised because my aunt just randomly sends me things in the mail she never tells me anything's coming and I remember I opened it and I was really blown away because what it was filled with was all these articles that I'd written for our church and all these different posts from when I lived in Uganda and my biography on our website and along with the team. And, and I may have disappointed her with my choice to pursue pastoral ministry. And I knew where I was supposed to go and that's why I went the way I did. But in the end, she still did love me. And so maybe some of you, it's, it's not an outside person that's speaking against you. It's not someone that's challenging you in that way. You know, in your home or your extended family, maybe it's inside of you. Maybe it's self-talk. It's this doubt that's deep within you. And the thing about self-talk is that it's so hard and that it's subversive and subtle. And honestly, it's all the time. That you are not enough. You are not wanted. It'd be better if you were gone. If they knew you and they knew what you did, they wouldn't love you. You aren't kind or loving. Something is broken in you. And honestly, the last one's true. <laughs> the rest are not true. Something is broken in all of us. We call it sin. But self-talk is so challenging because it just is that stuff that's chirping in your ear while you're living throughout your day. Most people ask me why I run the way that I run, which I haven't been running that much this year, but I run because it's the place that I can get my self-talk out of my head and I can just deal with it and face it where I play old scenarios in my mind like this video reel 
wondering if I should have done something different. Relationships that have fallen apart. Choices that were made that were a bummer in the long run. But it's in those moments I'm getting them out of my head and I'm able to just engage and be present in the moment. The reality is there is something broken in us though and we have to acknowledge that. Jesus' coming was the way to pay for the sins of the world, to give us the ability to be in relationship if we are willing to submit to him. To submit like these men, to simply toss away our old ways of seeing the world and ways of living and following a new path that he's going to lead us on. To truly practice the way of Jesus. Because the Spirit called Jesus into the wilderness, but the Spirit is calling us to Jesus. And so church, I want to ask you, where is the Spirit calling you? Do you realize that the Spirit's calling you? Because I believe He is. And the Spirit will always call you towards Jesus. And so the question I would ask you this morning is, are you heading towards Jesus? Because in all reality, this church, it exists because of an act of faith. In my times of praying and wrestling on if I was leaving where I was pastoring to go and do what God had placed in my heart, I remember there was this quote, and this is what I'm going to end with this morning. And it came across and it encouraged me. It's from Thomas Aquinas. He said, If the highest aim of a captain were to preserve his ship, he would keep it in port forever. The Holy Spirit isn't calling us to comfort, convenience, an ability to rest in ourselves. Because your faith is not about knowing the right things. It's not about doing the right things. Your faith is about being with and following Jesus. Yesterday, today, and forever. It's not for self-preservation or comfort or anything else, but simply to be with Jesus. And so, Father, I just lift up ourselves to you this morning. Jesus, one of the things I love as a pastor is getting to see the different giftings and callings of the people I get to pastor. People who are in the marketplace making money, serving their workplaces, serving their customers as if they were serving you. People who have started businesses and taken tremendous risks and stepping out in faith to create something themselves. Father, people who are staying home, raising children to know you and be contributors of society, positive contributors of society. Those that serve in our medical community or the education community, all with the focus on serving our community in real practical ways. Father, I know we have students in here. We have 
people that are running ministries. We have people that are doing a variety of different things. Jesus, may you make everyone in this room and those that are listening online, may we be a people asking you to guide us by your spirit. May we not be a people that are comfortable chasing the American dream, but may we be a people that are following in your footsteps and practicing the ways that you have called us to live. And so, Jesus, I do. I pray that if some of us are in the desert or some of us are in a place of tremendous blessing, Lord, I pray that you would just speak and move and do good and beautiful things in our lives. And it's with this we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.